I think the benefits of yoga are so personal to some degree, like many times you don't know what you're going to uncover when you go down that path because it does encompass all aspects of our own self-care and human evolution within a singular practice. Joining us today is Michael Susi. Michael is the director of Global Wellness at LinkedIn, where he created and scaled the health and wellness program for LinkedIn's global workforce of over 15,000 employees. In today's discussion, we talk about Michael's path from coaching and training to leading wellness at the world's largest professional network and how he reimagined the wellness program from preventive to proactive by centering initiatives and outreach around the pillars of thoughts, breathing, hydration, nutrition, movement, and rest, aspects that are found across the many qualities of yoga. We also hear his advice for men on how yoga can be incorporated into any fitness and wellness routine as active recovery between workouts and a way to diversify your exercise and movement practice. Anyhow, thanks for listening and enjoy the discussion. Well, Michael Susi, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Derek, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into your role at LinkedIn and yoga, let's talk about your path in wellness and fitness. Sounds great. You know, my path has been long and windy to get me to where I am today. You know, coming out of college where I was an athlete, that really was my focus. You know, I wanted to be involved in, in sports, specifically playing football and and then in turn coaching it. I have a degree in history, secondary ed. I thought I'd teach and do all that. I didn't like it. I didn't like that industry coaching, at least the collegiate level. It's a rough and tumble of a career to undertake. You get fired very easily. You don't find a new job that quickly. You pay your dues for sure. And I thought I loved football and I do, but I think the degree of devotion that people have that reach those high ranks that I was aspiring to when I started out, I'm not cut out for that. I need maybe something more well-rounded, maybe a little less intense to some degree or another, but I hightailed it out of that industry. I moved to New York City and got involved in internet startups and some sales and marketing roles in addition to doing personal training, which initially was just to supplement my income, having entry-level jobs in Manhattan. But that really opened my eyes to what we now call wellness. Back then, I didn't think of wellness. I thought about preparing for the next athletic season. But when I started working with folks that weren't athletes, really started opening my eyes to how much more there was and how we prepare our bodies and how we perform at life beyond how intensely you work out or how you pay attention to the food that you're eating. There's all these other components to it. The two that really stuck forward to me that people needed the most support with were sleep and some level of mindfulness practice to kind of have this overarching, but maybe more specific, it was some outlet to deal with their preparation of their mind and their body and the recovery of their mind and their body that didn't involve either going to the gym or going to the bar. And that really kind of turned me on to what wellness is. And then, you know, I bounced back and forth to a couple of different jobs. And ultimately, I started my own uh, wellness company, which was really designed as me as the practitioner writing exercise and nutrition programs for people remotely. I presented that business model to LinkedIn back in 2010 as a as a wellness program, uh, really not changing the principles of what I was doing, but just changing the audience that I was marketing it to. As an outside consultant to LinkedIn, or were you already an employee? I was an outside consultant. So I was living on the East. I was living out in Pennsylvania at the time. I got a one-year contract. And so I hightailed it to California. About nine months into that contract, I converted to a full-time employee. And I have been going on 10 years now. That's awesome. So 
I'm fascinated to hear more a little bit about your role as the director of global wellness. Number one, I would say, what is that program? Like, what does wellness look like in corporate America today? And then two is like, what's the fun aspects of it? And what are some of the challenges of it? To go to the first part of your question, wellness in corporate America, I think it's probably a very different answer than I'll tell you about the wellness program that we run at LinkedIn. You know, I think traditionally wellness programs were really focused on getting people to move more, take steps, give them a gym stipend, take an HRA, you know, health risk assessment, and maybe get people to get their biometrics tested regularly. That's not really what our wellness program is about. Our wellness program is designed around what we call our six tenets of wellness, which are thoughts, breathing, hydration, nutrition, movement, and rest. We like to say that the analogy is that the sunlight, soil, and water for a plant, you give a plant those essence, and the plant does just fine. It doesn't try to grow. It does grow. And you know we're similar. We're living beings. We're a little bit more dynamic than plants. So we say that we have six things that we should give our attention to. But those are the essence of our existence. I mean, we're all doing those six things all the time, whether we're doing them in a way that supports us or detracts from what we're trying to go. That's really ultimately the question. But for us, you know, our goal is to get our employees to engage in these practices, learn about these practices and engage in them so that ultimately they can develop their own strategies of self-care. Because ultimately, when you take care of yourself, right, everything about your life becomes better, even if it's challenging. You have the strength, you have the ability to recover from stressful moments and bring your best self forward on a daily basis. Yeah. There seems to be a little bit of an evolution beyond the CrossFit or just do all you can type workouts, push your body to the max. And it's really like thinking about your body as a constantly evolving, intelligent organism versus a machine who has parts that needs to be fixed and repaired. And it all kind of comes down to self-awareness and the mind-body connection. Oh, absolutely. And beyond just our bodies are ever-changing, you know, so oscillation is the natural order of the world. And we need to appreciate that we aren't machines, right? So we do ebb and we flow. And I think when we can respect that on the macro level, whether that be the cycle of a full day, but then the, the rhythms and ebbs and flows we go through within each day. I think the more in tune we are to them, the more we're able to seize on moments of restoration, to recognize when we need that. And we recognize those things that we've done for ourselves that prepare us to be top of game within our minds or top of game with our bodies by being aware of those ebbs and flows. Yes. It's interesting. And maybe you feel the same way, but as I get older, over 40 there's an opportunity for some level of a workout or a practice that actually maps better to your mental and physical and emotional state. Because chances are, if you haven't been in the weight room for a while, or you haven't gone out for a long run and you're not feeling it, but you force yourself to do it, we recover really differently as we get older, as you probably know better than I do. But I just know from my own experience, there are just times your exercise for that day might be something that you hadn't planned on. And if you just listen to your body, chances are you're going to be doing much better for your body at a deeper cellular level than just having a Red Bull and running to the gym. Absolutely. That's one of the things people get this good habit of going to the gym regularly. And that is not a bad habit, but more important question for those folks is, what are you doing when you're there? And not every day needs to be an intense day. I used to get people that they would come to the gym and they were really burnt out both mentally and physically 
from their jobs and everything else. So they couldn't figure out why they couldn't achieve their goals of maybe weight loss or they still couldn't get good sleep. And it's just like, you're just adding more stress onto an already stressed organism. This intense stress here is not going to take away the other intense stresses that you've had. And many times it's helping people with teaching what to do. It's like still come to the gym because that's maybe where your social circle is. And you would rather do that than maybe go to the bar. But how about foam roll as opposed to yep. getting on, you know, the squat rack and pumping big heavy weight. So yeah, teaching a way to tap into it. Or just staying with the habit. Like if you go to the gym in the morning, just go. If you're not having the energy, go and do something that you feel like you need to do. And at least you've committed to getting out of the house. So I want to go back to your pillars because the pillars you describe, many of those things are all in yoga. I'd love to hear you briefly touch on thought, breathing, hydration, nutrition, movement, and rest at a high level, because I think those are great pillars for those listening to this podcast to think about why they should get into something like yoga. I think the best way to describe them is even going back prior to joining LinkedIn and how I used those wellness tenets. And I used them twofold when I would do program design for somebody. The first was to help me structure their program. So using the example I gave previously, someone has a rather ubiquitous goal of weight loss. They need to be thinking, I need to exercise differently or eat differently. And through a series of online assessments that an individual would take that worked with me, I would use their responses to actually set the priority using those tenets as a way to structure that. So for example, I may have recognized in someone's assessments that they exercise pretty regularly. They have a decent habit there. Maybe there's some modifications. They eat pretty well. Maybe they're not eating perfectly, but they're eating maybe out of misinformation as opposed to neglect. But what really would stand out, again, with most people is like their sleep, just they really struggled with sleep. And so in a program, if a person came to me with that, I would say, okay, we're going to actually prioritize sleep, which is not to say that you're not going to do exercise, but we talk about things like, when are you exercising? When I was living in New York City, people were working jobs and getting to the gym at 10 o'clock at night, getting an intense workout, and then going home and trying to go to sleep. It's just like, there's something that's a little bit skewed here. You're not going to go to sleep an hour after you've had this intense workout. So that was really the design of all those things. And then the other way we'd use it is there was a a daily checklist for people. And so everyone's at a varying stage within those. The gym rat was doing movement really well, perhaps, but really maybe not doing much on the thoughts tenant. It was really about saying, find something. And we would set tasks and habits for them to practice on a daily basis. And for those things that were more difficult, it start off easy. If you don't have a mindfulness practice, don't sit down and try to do 20 minutes your first day you're going to give up on it because you're going to say, this is too difficult. This feels like six hours. You know, this is too 14 seconds. I mean, just find something that you can practice and build upon. So it was twofold, program design, but also a daily checklist for an individual to go about making sure that they are taking care of themselves. From a program perspective in LinkedIn, we look at it as one, those are six individual entry points into the wellness program. Obviously, we have employees that run the gamut of what their backgrounds in terms of athletics or non-athletics or their experiences with different things. And some of these things are really appealing to someone and others are not. But we also need to be all-encompassing, right? We don't want to be seen as a, a fitness program because people who aren't interested in fitness aren't going to want to engage in the program. Mm-hmm. So when we look at this, hey, we'll help you learn how to breathe properly, which is does a litany of positive things for you, all the way to just how you function the day to actually preparing yourself for giving a presentation or preparing yourself to have a difficult conversation with your boss or maybe someone that you're the manager of. 
And so we really look at it as being able to cast a really wide net so that we can engage as many employees as possible. And once they sort of come into the fray, then we kind of use basic marketing principles of, hey, you're really into mindfulness. You've been doing these meditation sessions with us. Have you also thought about how we can incorporate movement? Let's take your mindfulness practice and get you moving yep. while you have your mindfulness practice. Now you've incorporated a walk after dinner with the ability to you know, practice mindfulness at the same time. You must get a kick out of seeing people open up these different doors because I think at different points in my own life and my own knowledge about this stuff, each one of these things had a whole new meaning on how it relates to everything else. Like breath work. I had an injury that affected my mid-back. It affected my core. It affected my pelvis. It affected how my diaphragm moves, right? And so it's been a long time to figure out what was going on in my body. And along the way, you realize how much... If you've gummed up how your breath work goes, it really affects your ability to focus, your energy level, your mood. I mean, James Nestor's book, I'm sure you've read on breath. There's just so much out there to just think about on just breathing. But nutrition, hydration, now that I'm over 40, I drink as much water as I can. I mean, speaking of sleep, I still drink alcohol, but I'm really selective when I drink it because I find that alcohol just totally ruins sleep. And the next day, you're not there. So each one of these are things are so super connected. So I think it's brilliant the way you've set this up. It really maps well to yoga, which is what this podcast is about. But all this stuff's connected. And so I don't think guys have to be a card-carrying yoga practitioner to know how the body recovers. And there's so much benefit that comes from the practice beyond just going to a class and following what someone does, because you learn how your body moves. It's about proper alignment. And you have something you can always fall back on. You know, if you're out of law, I see a lot of times people just don't know what to do, something new within their workout. And learning these things, you can begin to incorporate them for yourself. And just the most basic of yoga is takes your body through what we say are the most important principles of movement, which is to move in all planes of motion, right? We are dynamic beings. We aren't meant to move just in the sagittal plane, forward and backwards. We move all over the place. And yoga takes each of your major joint girdles, your entire, and it helps length, tension relationship, and everything from the most basic of, as you know, getting rid of pain to actually improving your athletic performance when you understand the right exercises to do for it. Yeah, 100%. So tell me a little bit, I know you've done some yoga in the past. You said, hey, listen, I'm not a regular yoga practitioner, but aspects of yoga without a question is a part of my fitness and wellness routine. So if you can spend a few minutes to talk a little bit about what does your health and wellness look like as a practice? So specifically from yoga, my experiences with yoga, I used to have a more regular practice, meaning like going to classes more regularly. That primarily happened when I was living in New York. That's also when I got turned on to yoga. I didn't do it before. Growing up in central Pennsylvania, it wasn't really a prevalent thing. It doesn't go well with Scrapple in Pennsylvania, does it, right? It could be a yoga Scrapple class. That could be a way to get some people into the studio. <laughs> More traditional exercise, preparing for your traditional sports of you know football, basketball, and baseball. But as I got older and I was living in New York, and that was something to do that one was recommended by, I have had four knee surgeries, two on each. And one thing that was recommended to me by physical therapists and doctors alike was get into a yoga practice because one, it's low impact, and it's just really going to help the entirety of your fascial chain and your muscular system and it's just a really good way to kind of stay active and have this practice. It also helped that I was dating some at the time that was really into yoga. So it was very easy for me to kind of want to keep that relationship positive. So do things together was great in that regard as well. 
But for me, I don't do classes very, even like any other kind of fitness classes and having a background in personal training and program design. I like to sort of draw up my own things. Like in this little office, I have a plyo box and sandbags and dumbbells and TRX and a yoga mat. And once I learn different things, I like to learn how to incorporate those into the workouts I design for myself. But the principles of them are so sound and solid that it makes for a perfect recovery. So if I do maybe do heavy, intense upper body superset of some sort, I mean, even something as simple as going into downward dog for a while, as I recover, there's a way to do some active recovery before you do your next set of maybe lifting some weights. Yeah, I think it's a great point to hit. And I've hit it before in other conversations is I think a lot of guys who don't do yoga or have done it once or twice and didn't like it, they sort of put it in one box and they think it's always going to be this. Like there's going to be candles, there's going to be chanting, there's a gong in the corner. And it can have that and that stuff can be great. But it it really is about just learning how to move your body, be aware of your body, being connected with your body and connecting that movement with the breath. And I think it could be a lot of different things. I do a little yoga before I play hockey in the winter at literally six in the morning. I'm rolling around, getting ready before I drag my equipment out the door. I do a little bit of stretching afterwards. That's not really yoga, but some of the stuff that I do stretching wise I've learned in yoga classes. And so I just use it any moment. I feel like my body needs something. And I think that's another big reason why guys our age should get into it is you start to kind of know what your body needs. So rather than having a little tight spot in your back, that's just dominating you all week, you can figure out what's the best way to give some relief to that muscle that's just hanging on with dear life or learning how to fire up other muscles so it can help that one. So it's to your point, you don't have to be a 60, 90 minute perfect yoga class to enjoy the benefits. Something else that comes to mind with starting a yoga practice or getting into it is a phrase, a mantra that we use with our our overall benefits program at LinkedIn, which is to meet people where they are. And if we think about that for ourselves, one thing I found most difficult about yoga initially was one, It can be really challenging, especially if you go to the wrong class, meaning you go to one that's maybe too advanced and you can feel lost. And so if you're already not sure of yourself and you're out of your comfort zone and now you're trying to figure out what to do with an instructor and you feel lost, that can be really demoralizing and maybe make it difficult to come back or to stay engaged with it. So I always tell people, especially now, there are so many ways to access a yoga class at home in the privacy of your home, where if you're not sure what to do, you can pause the video and go back. And there's obviously tremendous benefit to the social aspect of going into a studio with people, assuming you can these days and and have that community. But ultimately getting through that beginner phase, I think is really important for people. Similar to when I talked about like mindfulness earlier, if you never did it before, starting off with 20 minutes may seem really challenging. But if you're having a hard time getting into yoga, it's find the appropriate level for yourself Or worst case scenario, go on YouTube and look up basic yoga and follow the instructor. You can make a fool of yourself in the privacy of your own home and no one has to know any better of it. I think you're right. I think slowing the pace down. And I've said this before in other conversations as well, is like guys shouldn't feel like they have to do a full vinyasa class keeping up with everyone. In fact, your studio should have more classes for guys who are like, literally it's, it's on a second gear so they can understand how to move in and out of stuff. And same thing with, like you said, meditation. Same thing going for a run. You're not running for eight miles right out of the gates. Like, why don't you just walk, run a little bit around the neighborhood and just get your body 
ready or start thinking about how it's supposed to move in an efficient, safe way. Absolutely. So as we look to close, I know you don't have a regular yoga practice, but you certainly have just a ton of knowledge around physiology and fitness and an appreciation and a practice for mindfulness. What advice would you give to guys who are listening? Sure. Well, I think like anything else, diversity within from your 401k, where your stocks are, to diversification of employee bases, I think always brings about better results. And so if you think about someone that's already actively exercising or engaged in some sort of movement practice, it's the perfect way to diversify that offering. It also allows for more flexibility. And I don't mean that in terms of just you know actual physical flexibility, but flexibility in terms of how you can be more intense or less intense based upon a litany of things, how you're feeling that day. Maybe you are nursing some sort of an injury or something of that nature. So I think that the first thing is to some degree, let go of the ego that yoga is maybe feminine and not for men in that capacity. I remember I had a cousin who played a high level of collegiate football. And this is back when Lynn Swan was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember those years? And, and Lynn Swan was doing ballet and not like literally doing like actual performance, but ballet principles of stretching and getting your body limber. And I remember he was sort of like kind of mocked for being all oh, your football player doing ballet, but he was like, it helps me in every, and you remember the catches that that guy would make. He was an unbelievable totally. athlete and keep his body. So I think part of it is letting go of that to some degree, which in and of itself is a wonderful practice for us to practice the practice of letting go of our ego or those things that are holding us back in some way. So I think the benefits of yoga are so personal to some degree. Like many times you don't know what you're going to uncover when you go down that path because it does encompass all aspects of our own self-care and human evolution within a singular practice. I totally agree with you. And I think I continue to learn as my body changes and gets older. So, hey, Michael, great having you. And thanks again for joining the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on your path and also what you're doing at LinkedIn. Well, thanks, Derek. It's great to be here with you and all of your listeners. All right, man. I look forward to talking soon. Thanks again.